Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Beer or wine? <laughs> That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. How? I got to be honest. I didn't know mm-hmm. this day would ever come. Hmm. I didn't know we'd ever do this episode. Why? Because you don't drink. Never in my life. Not once. I know. But I think we can do this. You know, my bris, mm-hmm. which for those who don't know in Jewish culture is when the foreskin of the, of the baby male mm-hmm. is cut. Mm-hmm. You traditionally, the baby is given a small amount of wine. Mm-hmm. It is soaked in like gauze, basically. And that will help, you know, numb them a little bit because it doesn't feel good. You know, you're not giving shots down there. Yeah. No, and no, no, uh, that's, yeah. my mother was like, no, give him grape juice. I don't want him to have wine. She's very, you know. Do you think that was where it started? You're just not being interested in it? I wasn't aware of it. No, I, the reason why I don't drink is because I had a mother who went to rehab when I was eight years old. Right. That's the reason I don't drink, reason I don't do drugs. Like I've only seen negative things come from it. And so yeah. I've never even been curious about it, but I am fascinated by the culture around beer and the culture around wine in particular. Well, A, I appreciate your openness in this episode. I knew that. I didn't know if we were going to mention that in the episode, so I appreciate your openness in talking about that. But also, in talking about this, I think that is what we are going to spend a lot of time focusing on, is uh, that particular element of it, the social element. In fact, I've got a lot of different aspects and different categories within beer versus wine. It's nice to do a classic binary, we got this episode. Mm -hmm. You know, cake versus Pie, shower versus bath, beer versus wine feels as like an age old question. Both of these are thousands of years old, have been made for thousands of years. There's studies now that say bread came after beer. Beer happened first and then bread happened. Yeah. Like a honeymead in Egypt, I think was, was discovered still intact. Is that right? No, I didn't know about that. That's amazing though. Somewhere like they found mm-hmm. something that you could still drink, but it yeah. would not have tasted good after all those years, but it wasn't no. poison. Like exactly. It has been point being, as you said, it has been made for a very long time and yeah. may very well predate bread. That doesn't seem impossible. Yeah. Well, I just love the idea that, hey, for centuries, we thought agriculture began with, hey, maybe we should settle down here, grow grains and use those as our food source. Uh, mm-hmm. And now there is evidence appearing that it was, hey, instead of being hunter gatherers, why don't we just stop here, grow some grains so that we can all have beer, which is kind of great. By the way, thank you to Leslie Swan Podrasky for giving us this topic. Um I'm assuming the swan is the wine connoisseur and the Padraski is the beer connoisseur. You know, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you made that little comment because I think there is a perception Mm -hmm. and maybe up until 30 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, I would agree that Mm -hmm. like beer is the working class drink. You know, you go get a Mm -hmm. beer after you're leaving the factory, you have a beer at home, you go to the bar and you get a couple beers. Yeah. Whereas wine is a more sophisticated, you go to wine country and you go right. to a wine tasting. But the rise of the microbrewery, 
the right. rise of people who are like, I prefer an IPA. I prefer a stout. I let, you know, the dimensions and how it's made. And this is too mm-hmm. malty. This is too hoppy as opposed to it's beer. Just drink it. Right. The level of sophistication and, and the culture around beer has evolved significantly in the last Absolutely. few decades. I do think that there's still that there's a good reason for those stereotypes about the two. But I think that that line is definitely getting more blurred with the growth of micro brews and all different kinds of beer coming out of that world. And I would love to talk about that a lot in this, actually. Okay. There are several different categories that I would like to cover in this. I figure I'll probably be the one taking a little more of the lead on this in the wow. same way that when we did Star Trek with Doc Hammer, it was really just you and Doc going. And I was like, that sounds great. Spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those all they have, they all have spaceships in them. Sure. There's a few of these that are short and a few of these that are a little bit longer. So mm-hmm. tell me which ones you want to tackle first. We've got health, variety, social and cultural. Price and accessibility, pairing with food, flavor, production, and environmental. Want to start with health? Let's start with health. Sure. Uh, I feel like white like wine, red wine is good for your heart. Like have a glass of red wine. I think yes. that's going to win the health category, right? Well, here's the thing. There's resveratrol in wine, which is the primary antioxidant. It's also got polyphenols, flavonoids, and tannins that all promote better heart health. And in fact, the studies have shown, and that's the thing, like there's all these things they studies have shown, right? And there's always studies. You gotta, you gotta take them with a grain of salt because, hey, who produced that study? Oh, Francis Sutter Home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Grapes are good for you. Says who? Mr. Welch. No, it's uh, but there is marginal benefit to wine being a little bit healthier in that there is lower sugar content. Mm. There's lower calorie content. Generally, the equivalent alcohol amount in a beer is about a pint to a glass of wine or 12 ounces to a glass of wine. A glass of beer is bigger than a glass of wine. Usually a, a serving is going to be about 200 calories for a beer, but that also varies wildly from 96 in a Mick Ultra to a few hundred in some of the real heavy beers. Wine is pretty consistently 120 calories. So this is weirdly, we can actually quantify in an episode that objectively answers subjective questions. For this one, we actually do have numbers. Oh, you know what? So far, this podcast is hold on, like, giving me notes of math. Yeah, yeah. I do like those math notes. Science class, and yeah. I'm glad you picked hold health on. first because it's. Let me swirl this podcast around in a glass and see how mm-hmm. it drips down the side. Oh, this has nice legs. Oh yeah. I know Thank all you. of the terminology. Let me uh, let me go over and uh, hop open this can of podcast that I'll pour it into a frosty mug. Oh, it has a nice head on it. Oh, well done. Thank you. Nicely done, I know all Alex. about this stuff. I could be, I could be a drinker. I could right. be a drinker. All right. Well, uh, tell me this then. Uh, uh, what, what, uh, what health benefits does beer have? You forget all the bad stuff you ate. So you don't feel as bad. And then when you wake up, you're ready to take on the day except for that headache. Matt, can I tell you the other day, I've been doing Noom for a while, right? Not buzz marketing or anything, but one of the elements of that is calorie counting. And the other day I was like, uh, Hey, I did great on that meal. I only had blah, blah. I only had like, this was a 400 calorie meal. Great. Oh, wait, though. I had two beers with it. 800 calorie meal. Like it's just, it's so, it's so huge. 
the calorie content and how much that adds to it. So I'm really starting to try to mitigate that a lot more. That said, I do have a beer in front of me and a bottle of wine in front, a glass of wine in front of me. What kind of beer? We'll get to that in a minute, my friend. We'll get to that in a minute because that is one of the ways I wanted to rope Hal Lublin in. But don't Mm. you worry. We'll talk about that in a second. No, let's Mm. talk about the health benefits of beer. Did you know that hops are good for sleep? Did you know that, Hal? Oh, yeah. yeah. Andy Cap taught me that. <laughs> that dude's asleep on a on a couch all the time. Oh, sure. Wait, the same way that you're... Mark, wait. Drinking what? makes you sleepy? Breaking those from across the Atlantic. No, it gives you... Hops give you better sleep. Oh, they do? Yeah. Uh Did you know that dark beer has fiber? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. there's 1.5 grams of protein in the average beer, <laughs> including vitamin and min- vitamins and minerals. Well, it's practically a multivitamin in a glass. <laughs> Boy, is this is is this what you say while everybody's reading their letters to you? Oh, it has protein in it and vitamins. Mark, when you tell hey. me about the health the health benefits of beer, I feel yeah, man, it's good for you. Now, shut up and drink your Centrum Ice. <laughs> on the on the beach, pop over a multivitamin. Uh oh my god. Uh here's a little uh here's a weird little factoid that I found out. Wine alcohol uh hits you faster than beer alcohol does. Peak is an average of fifty-four minutes later for wine alcohol versus sixty-two minutes later for beer. Don't worry how that is all of the math that we're going to do. That's okay, the cool. entirety of the health benefits section. It sounds like wine has the edge on that. Yeah, I'm not a math guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, variety, social, cultural, price and accessibility, pairings, flavor or production. Uh, environmental. And oh, environmental. I forgot about I'm that. Trying one, to get all the like, all the science stuff out of the way. Yeah, we'll get the science so wait, stuff out of the won, way. Who won that last one? Wine. I feel like that was wine, but Better just barely. No, here's the thing. Like baby, drinking yeah. a little, they figured out that drinking a little bit of wine is good for your heart. Mm. That doesn't mean, obviously, I feel like we need to give a disclaimer. Not that we need one for the people of the world. They're all responsible people. Uh, yeah. Several bottles of wine is not going to give you a super heart. Do, you, are we, do we know that for sure? Don't make me test this theory, Hal. No, we're good. All right, let's talk about the environmental impact. This one feels a bit like a wash in that both of them use a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, wine uses a lot of resources uh, by way of pesticides. Traditionally mm. beer uses the, it's the water consumption. It's the packaging of beer. That is the most problematic part. And the just sheer ubiquity of beer being everywhere, which means more bottles, more cans, more paper packaging. And also the horse farts. And also, Budweiser Clydesdales that are pulling that yeah, wagon man. around selling yeah. the beer. Those farts, you know, like cow farts are mm-hmm. bad for the ozone layer. Which layer are horse farts bad for? The heavy side layer where the cats go in the Cats zone, the Musical? The one that's past the ozone. <laughs> it's really bad for it. That, like, you see, they're going to, like, form a rainbow bridge to the moon with their farts. Those are, those are big. Those Hold are on a second. Horses. These horses. A rainbow bridge to the moon sounds amazing. That's something NASA could never accomplish. You can't breathe up there. Those horses are trying to get rid of us. They're like, oh, you want to ride our back? Watch this. We're going to send you to the moon. That's what, <laughs> that's what they want to do. And these horses are smart. They're big. Yeah. They play football. They know what's going on. Yeah. 
Wait, if they play our culture for years, hold on, Hal, why are they going forward to the P zone? Why aren't they backing up then? If they're football horses, shouldn't they be aiming for the end zone? The end zone is the moon, and that's where we're going. They're going to kick us right there. That's the last thing. You're like, hey, look at that hole in space. And then you feel the back hooves go into your butt and you fly to the moon. Are you sure you haven't been drinking just today, Hal? Just for today? I've been drinking truth serum. <laughs> and do you know what else, Mark? Do you know what else is about oh, the dear. horses, Mark? Oh, know dear. What, what else? else? What else about the can horses? I tell you something? Tell me about Mark, these clients. something about the horses? Tell me something about the horses, Hal. Did you know what about Hal, the horses? Hal, your beard's in your oatmeal. Your beard's in your oatmeal. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hungry. Did you know? <laughs> no, you have to tell me a horse fact now. You don't get to veer yeah. off just by laughing. Their hooves are so powerful they can send you to the moon. There's a horse fact. Yeah. Horse facts. Horse facts. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, wine is a little bit, uh, wins that one a little bit. Um, winds up two zip right now. Winds up two zip, but just barely on both of them. All right. What are the other categories? Variety, social, cultural, price, pairings, flavor, and production. Let's give beer a win and go price. Yeah. That's the win for beer right there. Yeah, beer has always been known, and this gets into the, a little bit into the social and cultural as well. It's always been sort of the relaxed versus the refined. That is the primary difference between, and a lot of it comes back to that. And the price and accessibility a lot of times comes back to the relaxed versus refined. I put price and accessibility together because there is, you know, you can get beer, you can get good beer all over. You can get the the mid-range beer pretty much uh, anywhere. Everyone. Yeah. Good wine, you know, a little more specialized. Like I can go to Seven Eleven and buy a decent local craft beer, but the wine is like barefoot, which is fine. I'm not crapping on barefoot wine, but you know, but it's in screw cap wine. Screw you know what I mean? Wine. Or a bladder of Franzia. Yeah, exactly. What about? Are we counting everybody's favorite two old men from the eighties, Bartle and James? That's Bartle a wine and cooler. James. Is that That's a, the wine, wine cooler. That's a whole other thing. What man. is the, what is a wine cooler? I th- a wine cooler Explain. is a fruit flavored malt beverage. So it's okay. kind of a cross between. No, it's not a cross. It's not at all made like wine is. It's not wine at all. Why are they, no. why they put, why, why did those two old men lie to us? They called them wine coolers. What was it they used to say in the commercials? Oh, uh, drink or the horses will send us to the moon. Remember? Yeah, I do. I remember. They would say that, that at the end of each one. At the end of every one. Horses will, we can't let the horses win. As that rainbow bridge just appeared slowly to grow across the sky. The pot of gold is the horses getting rid of us. It's their pot of gold, not ours. (laughs) I'm Bartles. And I'm James. Horse facts. (sighs) Uh, But yeah, beer is cheaper than wine. Good wine is expensive. And uh, that's why it's the more refined, fancier thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Variety, social, cultural, pairings, flavor, production. Flavor. Flavor. Glad you asked, Hal, because now I get to do my little taste tests. I got a wine in front of me. Okay. And I got a beer in front of me. Let me see. Let me see. I'm going to show you the beer because here's the wine. Because I wanted Hal, I wanted you to have an experience within this one. It wasn't just you watching me enjoy these two things. So based on that, Uh I'm going to see if you can guess what wine I am drinking okay, and what beer I am drinking. And this is based entirely on our, not so much our personal relationship, but our 
professional relationship. I know what the beer is immediately. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. What is the wine? It's a red wine. Is it a Manischewitz? <laughs> it's not a Manischewitz. I'll give you a clue. Okay. Think about this very show and think about past guests on this very show. Is it Paget's personal wine that we didn't know she made, but like she snuck you a bottle of it? I feel like Paget would make wine in her house and we would, and like we would find out. She has a bathroom that's solely devoted to bathtub wine. I'm that sure of sense. it. Sure. Yeah. It's currently happening right now. She's, I've got a batch brewing. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is, uh, this is an Italian American friend of ours, friend of the show, guest of the show. DiMaggio? Whose hometown is famous for its wine, and her last name is her ancestral hometown. Who? How this is a delightful red from Italy, a Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. Oh! That's right. From Abruzzo. You know what else is from Abruzzo? Stephanie d'Abruzzo. It's from two Abruzzos. That's true. They're married. (laughs) Uh, That's right. There you go. So I'm going to try this. Delightful. Do you have water to drink in between to cleanse your palate? I do. I have soda water to drink in between. Okay. He's drinking. All right. By the way, he just held up like a normal glass of just red wine. So if I had to guess. And a green bottle. The coolest thing so far is the bottle of water because it's one of those. It's got that like cap where you put the cap in and then you put the lever down. What are those It's a Grolsch. It's it's actually a beer bottle. It's a Grolsch bottle. I keep them in the fridge because I fill them up with the uh, soda stream. So I have eight Grolsch bottles. I can always just reach in and. Pop one open. It's great. Nice. They, those all, I, when I see bottles like that, I always think of the bottles of lemonade that Pippi Longstocking had in the original Swedish version. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Here's the thing. This is a delicious wine. I am the wrong person to talk about wine because I do not have a sophisticated palate for wine. You know what red wine tastes like to me? Red wine. You know what white wine tastes like to me? White wine. White wine. You know what, what Pinot Grigio like? tastes like to me? What? White wine. Exactly the same as Sauvignon Blanc and what about, Chardonnay. What about Moscato, like a sweeter dessert wine? Those I can tell the difference. Okay. It, but it's, it's because I drink a lot more beer than I drink wine. Did you think I knew what that was? You, you didn't think I'm impressed. Beer. Yeah. That's what Moscato was. I know, I look, I, I you know things. I used to drink. There you go. So we had a full like wine cabinet at one point. The thing about wine that I've always experienced is mm-hmm. it's very complex and nuanced and it is outside of my purview to be able to tell anything about it. The movie Sideways made no sense to me. Well, also, like... I the, don't understand the, those little notes. The joke that people make about those notes feels true. Like, charcoal is something that people will taste in it. Mm-hmm. And they won't be... Like, if you drank something with charcoal, you go, oh, the Brita filter is broken. I mm-hmm. need to throw it out and get a new one. Like, that's what you think when you drink charcoal. But but in these, they're like, oh, that's part of how it was made. It's charcoal. Mm-hmm. It's oaky. It tastes like wood. Then there are notes of, you know, whatever, notes of cherry, notes of chocolate, notes of whatever, notes of cardamom, whatever you taste in there. But those are like, there are some weird, weird flavors that are just normally when you take a little slip and switch it, switch it out. I feel like if I drank Mm -hmm. wine, I have a pretty, for someone who eats, famously eats only tan foods, I have a really, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's sophisticated palate, an intelligent palate. I can taste something and I know, I, I can pick apart the ingredients in it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Like something. Are you talking about like a hamburger? No, I'm talking like if you. Because I did just hear you do that. No. You could tell I... which part was the lettuce, which part was the tomato. Do you remember Katie Pedroza? Yeah. We went to her parents' house one time 
think it was before a thrilling show. We were invited mm-hmm. over there and they had this like secret, not secret recipe, this like fruit dip that was like a family recipe. And I mm-hmm. tasted it and I picked out like five of the ingredients immediately. Like, yeah. and not just like, this is cream cheese plus whipped cream. It's like use vanilla, but you also use this, like there's a, like a, a hint of this other flavor. Like there's a little bit of almond extract in there. There's a little bit of it. Like I can pick those flavors out of like different cookies, different whatever. So I think if I drank wine, I would be good at discerning those notes. But the I feel like you're a wine, classical, you're a classical guitarist who only plays three chords. Yeah. I only like, you know, things. you know how to do it all, but all you play is smoke on the water and bar chords. Dude, I made beef stew a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I made you, what did you do to beef to make him so angry? Mm, I, I didn't call him back. I left him on red. Ooh. But I, I made one, you know, I keep looking for different recipes because like this one is not, this one just sort of has no flavor to it. And then mm-hmm. I found one that I made two days ago. It's almost gone now. We've almost eaten all of it. And it is so good. And the secret weapon was putting a sprig of fresh rosemary in it. Oh, yeah. And then taking it out at the end. Nice. And it just, like the that. flavor, because I don't like rosemary. When I get a chicken breast and there's rosemary, like, sitting in it, mm-hmm. I hate that. Because, like, the taste of, that's too concentrated. Oh, I love it. I'm such a rosemary fan of the flavor, though. I like the fla- the flavoring in the stew is mm-hmm. great. And also the stuff called Gravy Master, which is like a little, it darkens the flavor and it adds a little bit more depth to it. Mm-hmm. Like, just all these different things working together. It's so good. But I realized today I don't like the potatoes in it. Huh. Well, there you go. So take the potatoes out next time you make it. Jennifer likes the potatoes. I'll just pick oh. around. And it's, it's her birthday weekend. Fewer potatoes. Yes, it's her birthday weekend. So a difference with wine and beer, I think, as far as mm-hmm. flavor goes, is going back to the – and a lot of the stuff that you're talking about comes from the soil. And people talk about the flavors that they can find in the soil. And there are people who get paid, I don't know, probably millions. There are people that get paid a lot of money for their palate to know – too much – who know their – to know what their palate – you know, for their palate to discern between different wines and which ones are great and which ones are not. And that is not me. One thing I love about beer is that the – diversity of flavor within the beer world is so much more casual and so much more noticeable that it's easy to talk about. You know what I mean? If Mm -hmm. I'm sitting around and I've got one of my buddies has an IPA, a super hoppy, bitter IPA, and another one's got a sort of dark, creamy stout and another's got a crisp Pilsner, I can look at them, I can taste them, and they all taste distinctly different to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. More obvious. It's there's more the more obvious differences and it comes back to that relaxed versus refined. I want to brag about my wine palette if I have a great wine palette. I'm going to be pretty relaxed about my beer palette cuz you know you can tell the difference between a Guinness and a Coors Light everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell the difference in the glass. So that diversity is part of it. You want to taste your beer now? Now I'm going to taste my beer. You got to drink your water again. You took another sip of wine. I, take, I did take another sip of wine. I take my Come on, Uncle Ned. My Stop drinking water. out of the wine. <laughs> Can you guess what beer I have? I, you don't have to guess. You know exactly it's what beer Shiner. I have. Of course it is. Shiner Bach. Tell yeah. the folks while I am popping this bottle open why you knew immediately that Shiner Bach was the beer that I got. Because Mark and I and my wife, Jennifer, and Mark's girlfriend at the time, whose name was also Jennifer, the three of them had been in an improv group together. They were the only three who go to the Austin Improv Festival. I joined them. We formed a new group called Shiner. 
uh, after the beer in Austin, which is it is an Austin beer. And uh, we, we were, we were splitting a picture of Shiner when we officially decided to become a group for that. That's right. On, on 6th Street, right? That's right, my friend. That was the sound of uh, Shinerbach popping open. I would like to talk about also the game of uh, drinking wine versus beer. That was the sound of a beer bottle popping open. I wanted to let the wine breathe a little bit, so I opened that before we started. But as far as the pomp and circumstance of opening the particular drink that you're going to have, I think wine has it over beer in droves because it's so flashy. It's the you get that cork sound. You get the the server comes over in the restaurant and it's a whole fancy thing. And there's a whole rigmarole beer, pour in a glass, try to get a good head on it. And that's it. But I'm drinking this right out of the bottle. This is a Shiner Bach, a Bach beer. Uh, let's see. Our classic Shiner Bach, American style with a clean flavor and a slightly sweet finish. So uh, the reason I got this one in particular, because this isn't exactly a taste test per se. I just wanted to get a little bit of the flavor of them. Uh, mm. I wanted to get a decent beer that's not just, you know, something that you'd get for a quarter on quarter beer night in a bucket at a bar. Uh, so I got something a little a little nicer. And it's great. It's Shiner Bach. You know what this tastes like? What? Like forming an improv group, my friend. Is beer going to win this because you like beer more than wine? No, I don't think beer is going to win this necessarily. I'm curious. What? I don't know. All right. Well, beer wins flavor. Yeah. Clearly. Well, I think beer wins flavor. And naming improv groups. (laughs) Yes. Beer wins flavor and improv groups. I think that beer wins for that variety being more, um, for the variety being more pronounced and more people getting to take part in it. What do you think? Sure. Well, you don't have to taste them to know that. I don't the, have it. You know. They all smell so bad. Like the smell Beers of wine, do? The smell of beer is sickening to me. Yeah. It's really? so gross. Ugh. All right. Well, which one is worse? I, th- I, I can't pay. It's, it's a tie to me. I, they both, really? they all smell real bad. Doesn't matter what kind it is. I'd like to point out, by the way, that you picked this topic. I did. Yeah. No, wait, you did. No, you picked this pick. one. You absolutely, you want to, you want to go back and look at our text thread? Was I drunk? Yeah. You were super drunk. Oh yeah. On horse kicks. Oh, no. I was, <laughs> that's right. The, the Clydesdales kicked me in the face and I got hit into the ground. Thankfully it didn't go to the moon, but I was a little loopy and I thought, let's do beer versus wine. All right. So yeah, I think beer's got it on that one, which is tough because all the wine people are like, oh, how dare you? Ken says beer smells like a flooded basement. It smells moldy. It does. It beer smells, smells moldy? Bad. It all smells bad. It all smells Ken, yes, bad. Yes, Ken Bloom said beer smells like a flooded basement. It smells like things, it smells um, like something's turned with, with everything. Wine the beer's well. gone bad. One of the best lines from, uh, Can't Hardly Wait. When, <laughs> when, when people who like why when they do the thing where they stick their whole note, like they practically try and shove their whole face in the glass to try and smell it and they sniff real deep. Mm-hmm. It's repulsive to me. I can't because it smells so bad to me. I just cannot wrap, cannot wrap my mind around it. My little horse kicked mind. (laughs) You know what I love about this, Hal? We'll go to break in a second. What I love about this is we have done episodes in the past that are worst blank, right? Uh huh. Yes. And it's things that neither of us like. This episode is we're trying to pick the better of two things that you viscerally hate. Yeah. And it was your idea. I don't hate them. I just don't like the smell. Yeah. I appreciate that. Like if people like them. Awesome. Great. 
just not for me. Fair enough. It smells bad. All right. Well, let's take a break. Everybody go smell something else. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to know the sad lore behind Chuck E. Cheese's love of birthday parties? Or my Saturday mornings were reserved for cartoons? Or have you wanted to know how beloved virtual pet site Neopets fell into the hands of Scientologists? Or how a former Mattel employee managed to grow Sega into a video game powerhouse? Join us, hosts Austin and Brenda, and learn all of these things and more at Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries, now on Maximum Fun. The following are real reenactments of pretend emergency calls. 911. Where are you now, ma'am? At the kitchen table. I was with my dad. He mispronounced those words intentionally. There are plenty of podcasts on the hunt for justice, but only one podcast has the The only true crime podcast that won't leave you feeling sad and bad and scared for once. Only on MaximumFun.org. What did you smell on your break, Hal? Uh, horse hooves. I can't smell oh, anything gosh. else. A little bit got in there. Yeah. Did you get Up kicked the during the break? Yeah, they came back. Because I'm expecting an Amazon delivery. Mm-hmm. So there was a knock at the door. Oh, yeah. And it did yeah. sound a little cupped. But, yeah. I, you know, I opened the door anyway. L- a little bit of Patsy from uh, Monty Python. You're like That sounds like... Clop, clop. Immediate horse kick. Yeah. Mm. They'll do that, man. You don't have to tell me. All right. Let's go with variety, social, cultural, pairings, or production. Production? Production? Let's Uh talk about production. And this is, a lot of this comes back to the same philosophical debate, which is the refined versus accessible. You know what I mean? Which you don't have to like beer or wine to find arguments for both accessibility and refinement. Production of wine is a slow art. That is for the refined palates. You're going to get these nuances. You're going to, and that's why you'll see bottles. You're not, I don't think you're ever going to see a bottle of beer for a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to sell a beer at auction. Right. Well, unless it's like celebrity Frank Sinatra's last beer. Right. Or whatever. Exactly. Oh, here's we have the last bottle of the beer that those three stooges made that one time. <laughs> Wait, the one that they tried to make, but yeah. boy, did hijinks ensue. The suds got everywhere. Oh my God. So that is and that's wine. It's it's famously a slow art. It's a lot of times a familial art. People pass it down from generations, parent to child and things that you could never write in a book, but you can still teach in an oral tradition. And there is real pride of the craftsmanship. And so these winemaking techniques are passed down, especially in places around the world where there are these famous winemaking regions where people go just to see this happen. I remember when we went to New Zealand, a lot of the cast of Thrilling Adventure Hour, we took a trip out to Marlborough, right, which is wine country in New Zealand. And it's some of the most beautiful, picturesque places. And the production is idyllic, so much so that frequently the wineries themselves are the artwork on the bottles, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I've spent a lot of time in the Central Coast at those wineries. Yeah. So, you know, like in California, we're full, we've got loads of them and they're world class. Yes. Beer is a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of beer being a lot faster 
You know what? I'm going to mix in another one of these categories, which is varieties we haven't talked about yet. But I think it plays really well into this. Because beer is a faster process, you don't need years and years of aging for them to, for a beer to get that flavor and to get that infusion of charcoal from the soil. Mm-hmm. And because beer is faster, you can get a lot more variety within one company. You know what I mean? Like if there's a company that's making wine, they're probably making one or two types of wine based on the grape, the region they're in, and they are specializing in that, right? I mean, it depends. I think there are other, I think a lot, there are modern wineries that maybe make more, but you can also rotate, right? Because it takes right. so long. Like we made Merlot this year and we're doing Cabernet next year or whatever. I don't know exactly how you right. rotate them, but I, they, in my experience, the wineries you go to, either they're private labeling other places stuff which maybe they do or they're mm-hmm. they're just making a lot of different varieties i don't know i don't know the answer to that yeah well what they can't do is what beer can do which is like hey we're gonna make Oktoberfest, and it's just gonna be around in the fall or our particular company is gonna make a christmas beer that's only gonna be around this long and it's these short run with like you mentioned before with the huge boom in microbreweries and craft breweries you get so much more variety out of beer so many more different varieties of beer flavors colors uh different types of hops and things and techniques and all different things that uh it's easy to be a lot more experimental when it doesn't take years and years to produce one bottle you know what i mean mhm um, so I think that though, I, I don't know who to give that one to as a category because I think there's something really special about that familial, frequently familiar, or maybe I'm just idealizing something, but the idea of the winery, the locale, the terroir, you know, like all the different things that they talk about in the production of the wine. I think there's something kind of, there's kind of a magic about that. Yeah. You can have a lot of variety in creating different kinds of beer, there seems to be something less, there's something more cold. And I don't mean the actual temperature of the bottles. I would put it as a difference between, uh, there's a patience mm-hmm. to winemaking. Mm-hmm. And I think for beer, there's a lot more innovation in yeah. how it's made and the ingredients used to make it. There's a lot more trailblazing happening there. So I would call it a draw for that reason. You can't, yeah, They're, I think it's such personal preference and they're so different in their production that I would yeah. call that a draw. I don't know. You know what it makes me think of is, uh, did you ever see Santa Claus the movie? Yes. With Dudley Moore? In the theaters. Yeah. You remember then when they had, uh, Santa was like, Hey, don't give me promises. Give me results. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the two elves vying for head elf each made the most toys that they could. And one of them is using traditional craftsmanship. And the other one is using assembly line innovation. And that produces way more varieties of toy, but they're not the same quality that Puffy's toys were. Right. Hatch's toys weren't as good as Puffy's toys, but there were a lot more of them and they were a lot more varied. So maybe a slight edge to wine, but I get it. All right. Let's talk pairings and social cultural. That's what's left. Okay, pairings. Pairings is an interesting one to me. Mm. I don't know a ton of beer pairings aside from Pilsner and salty snacks, crunchy mm. salty snacks, Burger. which is why they're frequently free on the bar so that you buy more beer. Burger. And stout and chocolate. Yeah. What were you going to say? Burgers. Steak. Burgers. Beer and a burger is great. Sure. Yeah. But there's sort of this one. 
Wine exactly. absolutely wins this one. And I, I never thought of this before. I never realized Ken says beer and hot dogs. Classic for, uh. That's how Ken likes his beer. He dunks hot dogs in it like he's Joey Chestnut and beats him. <laughs> I didn't know this until I was looking into it. Mm. Why? And it makes perfect sense. I guess I never thought about it. It's beer seems to be more about the flavors matching up. You know what I mean? Like sort of a stout has that sort of hardiness to it that goes well with something rich and warm like a chocolate. And, uh, you know, there's that tart crispness that goes well with, you know, other things. But with wine, aside from the flavor pairings themselves, like, you know, rich red wines taste good with meats and things. It's less about the flavor and more about the mouthfeel of it. Because red wine dries your mouth out. It's astringent, right? The acid, the astringency, it dries your mouth out. Fatty foods coat your mouth. Cheeses, meats, all the, you know, the delicious things. Well, re uh, red meats. Yeah, red meats. White wine is better with chicken and fish. Right. So the stuff with more fat in it, red wine is better for because they counteract each other really well. I just I don't know why this never crossed my mind before. There are people probably listening to this episode going, this guy is such a blowhard. He has no idea what he's talking about. But welcome to our show. Yeah. Brand new. That's why Hal's here to talk about horses. But yeah, Born. hands down, hands down wine, because that mouthfeel thing is just magic. You know what I mean? Like if I eat some cheese and I get that sort of fatty mouth coating, have a little wine, that's gone. You know what I need? More of that cheese. And they just, they go so perfectly together for that reason. I think pairing wise, there's no question. It's got to be wine. Social cultural is the only one left. They both have a culture around them. They both do. Like wine, I'm fascinated by winery culture. I'm fascinated by people who do winery tours. Mm -hmm. When Jennifer and I were dating and we first went to the Central Coast, that was our first ever trip together was to San Simeon, California, near right like a mile away from Hearst Castle. We're on the shore. And then you ride in on the 46 to Paso Robles and you pass all these wineries. So we went to wineries over and over. And I could be the designated driver. So Jennifer, who was drinking at the time, could have whatever wine she wants. One time I got her so drunk that she went to see Transformers with me. But <laughs> what do you think I of Bumblebee? She was asleep. Um, there is something to the cult, like there's something that feels classy mm -hmm. about stepping into a winery. Like you are in a place that is, it's like you're Jack. I felt like Jack sitting down to dinner with the rich people in Titanic. Yeah. So like, outside, oh, working yes, away from I the outside these, in. Yeah. These cheese twist crisps. These would be nice. Oh, these would pair really nice with your, uh, whatever Verdant, Verdant Gonlet. Why does this one almond seem so important all of a sudden? Yeah. Like olives and then all the stuff that's there. Like there's just a whole culture of mm -hmm. it's wine o'clock and different uh wine is associated with like art mm -hmm. and clothing lines and all of yeah. these weird things that have sprung up around it. That And they're always beautiful to visit. There's always like a dog or a cat there hanging out. Windbreakers, those are really popular. Like everybody who works there wears the windbreakers and get a windbreaker. Ooh, I've never seen a winery windbreaker. Oh, yeah, of course. Got to get there. I've seen a polo window. shirt. I feel like a lot of times the yeah. whoever's doing the tasting is wearing a polo shirt that mm -hmm. has grapes and the name of the company. Yeah, 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 yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So, yeah, it's. I think it's, it fascinates me. I think that beer... The microbrewery and like it's a lot more insufferable. Sorry, microbrew fans. 
curled mustaches. Yep. You yeah. understand what I mean when I say Hipster. that? Hipster, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the microbrew crowd. Hipster, forearm tattoo sleeves, haircut from, like, pompadours. Yeah. But also, like, the thick Matt Damon and the Good Shepherd glasses. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Sure. Not uh, ex- exclusionary. Is that uh, the I, I push back a little bit on that. Oh, okay. You, I you feel like... Left out. I, well, not left out, because... I feel like, I don't know. I feel like wine culture in my, this is only in my experience. I feel like wine culture is exactly as you described it. It is this elevated thing. It feels special. Beer culture to me is not the elevated beer culture of the craft brewery experience. Beer culture to me is you go to the bar with your buddies and you watch a ball game. You go to the tavern with your mates and you have a pint. You know what I mean? It is that egalitarian, every man, we're all having a good time. We're all, it's the, it's the beer ad. It's the Americana, Budweiser sitting around the lake, country music blaring, hanging out. Like that is what the culture of beer is to me is it's every, it's the every day. It's the everybody. It's the you go to a pub where there's a neon sign and a ball game on. And that is kind of a world that I live in. And it is a world that I love. I am most comfortable sitting in a bar, hanging out with my buddies, doing settling arguments, which is how this show began with that kind of mentality, right? Yeah. Some people like the wine, though. There is something there. You know, there are people who it's been a long week. I want to mm-hmm. get together with my friends, open a bottle of wine. Right. Just relax, put on a little meat. You know, there is a... I think the typical gender stereotyping is like guys get together, drink a bunch of beers and I'm not saying, I'm not saying gender wise. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that you are. I'm just saying that there are two versions of, of Mm -hmm. relaxing and spending time together and they're both communing around alcohol regardless of of your gender identity. Like that, that is irrelevant. It's what you like and, and other people who like the same thing that's you, you relax around this drink together. And I would argue that wine culture is the more refined and the elevated version of that wine culture to me is the social element, the like hanging out with your buddies and just having a good time, which is what alcohol is for anyway, I think is elevated in the social cultural wine version, as opposed to the fancy beer version. Like I feel like the step up for the every man from, or every woman or every person the step up from the society at large, from having beers together to having wine together, going to a tasting, experiencing this thing together, everybody trying it and talking about what they like is a superior version of upping your game to just ordering better beers. Because in my experience, that is sort of gatekeepered a lot. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like, oh, you're ordering this beer. Apparently you haven't heard about this beer. You know what I mean? Whereas wine culture is like, nobody, we, you crack one bottle and everybody's having the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. How'd you, let's try a bottle of this now. I feel like mm-hmm. if we are going with an everyman culture element of it, wine is stepping up the game. That said, if we're looking at cultural uses of both of them, you don't drink beer in church, right? Toasting is, I think when I think of a toast, I think of wine glasses. 
Yeah. You can toast with beer. You know, you can sit around and all, ah, have a beer toast, but like. We did it with Shiner at the end of our shows. We did. We always uh, closed with a Shiner toast, mm-hmm. which you would, I believe, clink your bottle and then hand it to me and I would drink both of them. Correct. Yeah. But for that reason, because wine has so many other, because I think that the, the thing about beer that gives it its most, let me try and figure out how to say this before I say it. The best foot that beer can put forward is the social element of beer. Mm. And the wine version of the exact same thing is the elevated, better, stepped up version of that. I think that's fair to say. Also, do you know what the worst foot that a beer could put forward is? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's the hoof of a Clydesdale. Yeah, horse foot. Did you just call a hoof a horse foot? Yeah, bang zoom to the moon. We don't know that uh, Ralph Cramden wasn't secretly a horse dressed as a person. It might have been two horses inside a person costume. You didn't know they could do that, did you? Whoa! Well, it's two people in a horse costume. No, yeah. they can do it the other way around. I've never seen a person rip in half and see two horses confused that their costume unvelcroed. Mm. Well, that's because mm-hmm. they're better at it than we are. I guess. They're better at everything than we are. And you know what? Wine is better at it than beer is. Looking at all of these criteria, I think we got to give this to wine. People of the world, get ready to fish pieces of cork out of your glass. Because very few people can use a corkscrew properly. That's just the way it is. Unless you get one of those wax corks. Those are the good ones. Because you can't mess that up. Like, they figured out a way to dummy-proof it. For people like your old buddy Hal, if he has to open a bottle of wine for people. But I digress. Wine has beaten beer. You didn't know if it was going to be that way. You might have thought it was going to go the other way for sure, but it didn't. Because I'm a beer guy. Yeah. The beer guy even said, I'm going to be a wine guy now. I'm going to try being a wine guy for a little while. Yeah. I was going to try to do dry February because it's shorter than January, but I've blown that because it's February 1st that we're recording this. Oh, well, there's always half of March. (laughs) Wine is the winner asked and answered. That's right. Ooh, it's the Ides. I can drink again. Yeah. Ken says I should have a dry leap day. Yeah, try it again in four. That means you don't drink for four years. Oh, my gosh. I can't have a dry leap day. I'm going to a wedding. Oops. This topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us via email at wegotthispodcast at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash group slash wegotthispodcast. That is where we're looking every single day. The email uh, we do check as well. But that is the best place, not only to interact with other people in the world, but to get topics in front of us for us to see. No horses allowed. Thank you to producer Ken Plume. Wow. You can support him at patreon.com slash Ken Plume. Graphic designer Uri Kelman, QA engineer Jen Alba, and researcher Kate McManus. I mixed up the order. Woo! Ooh, change it up. And thanks, mm-hmm. of course, to our musicians, Mike Furman and Jonathan Dinerstein, for our theme song and score, respectively. Mix those up, too. And thanks to you, the people of the world, with whom I would love to sit down with either a beer or a wine or a soda or whatever your drink of choice is. And I would toast you all and say to you, you give us a chance to do this every week. And I cannot thank you enough. I know I speak for everyone involved in We Got This when I say thank you, thank you, thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. We're Mark Gagliardi. I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows 
supported directly by you.